All right. So this is episode one of Comedian Ordinaire, an okay podcast. This episode is going to be very okay. Um, but really quick, before we start, I just want to give a shout out to everybody that's made this possible. Um, so shout out to myself because I'm the only one working on this. Couldn't have done it without you, Dan. Appreciate all the hard work you do. Um, let's get right into it, though, man. Let's get right into it. Um, just to start, actually, I, I want to play a small five-minute clip, like an audio clip of some stand-up that I did recently, right? And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of talk about, like, the jokes that I did in that stand-up and, and what it was like, man, really what it was like. And anyways, I don't want to babble on too, too much about it before, before you even hear it. So this is it right here. Thanks for staying late, guys. Um, you ever try to be nice to somebody, but then you're accidentally racist instead? It happens to me all the time, right, all the time. Because on the light rail, and I had both benches to myself, which is amazing, right, because that never happens. When that happens, you want to take advantage of it. So I'm on one bench, and I put my backpack on the bench in front of me. And at that moment, the train stops, and then a black guy gets on the light rail. I have one of two options, right? I can move my backpack and be nice, or I can leave it there and be rude. I decided to move my backpack, but since I'm close to the door and he just came in, I have to act fast, right? And so when I move my backpack, I go for one of these, I go for this move. And I'm like holding the backpack. I think in retrospect, probably not the best way to do a nice thing. It still felt like the right thing to do. And I'm kind of like holding my backpack like I was like protecting a baby like from fire, like shielding it with my back. I think the worst thing about it was that I was the only person on the light rail. Every other bench was open. He sat in like four rows down and I just looked like an insane person holding like a bag of gold. I just have bad luck with people. You know what it is? It's, it's that people never mean what they say. You know what I mean? You should always read between the lines too. Like I'm getting coffee and I go and sit down at a table by myself and a couple minutes later, a woman comes up to me and she's like, excuse me, would it be okay if I take this chair? My friend's coming a little bit. She just needs a place to sit. Would it be okay if I take the chair? Uh, like, not using it. Yeah, please take the chair. Really what she was saying was, hey, you're alone, right? Like you're gonna be alone forever? So I can take the chair, like you, you're not expecting anybody to come into the coffee shop, let alone your life, right? So I can just take the chair, and I gave her the chair. And I could have lied, yeah, I could have been like, nah, I'm meeting someone, she's hot. And she just would have seen me sitting on my phone for three hours. I swear, sometimes it looks like I invited my phone to have lunch with me, based on the way that I'm looking at it. It's like set up across the table, just sitting there looking at it. 
people walking by like, oh my god, you two are cute. Like, no, we're not. It's a really bad relationship. I'm like living a reenactment of the movie Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler, except that instead of Drew Barrymore having her memory erased every day, I'm erasing the memory of my phone every day. It's always just like, history, delete, history, delete. My phone's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. I'm like, exactly. Just have bad luck with people. Bad luck with phones, too. My big thing with phones is texting. And it's just such a horrible way to communicate. I remember I did get a girl's phone number once. Once. It happened once. And like, that's amazing. Thank you. And I'm texting her. And I sent out, hey, do you know how to keep a conversation going? And she replied, yeah. I never heard from her again. And to this day, I just want to know if she's okay, like if something happened to her. She got in an accident on the way, like one of those texting commercials. This is the last thing Sarah was typing before she was T-boned by a steak truck. Wordplay. All right, just have bad luck. You know, I got a text from my mom yesterday, and it was like, hey, sweetie, I love you so much. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're the light of my life, and I don't know what I would do if I never had you and your brother. I get that message, I read it, and I'm like, thanks. That's just what we're doing now. These one-word answers have become just adequate, and we're okay with them. Can you imagine, like, a hundred years ago, we had to train pigeons to take messages across oceans. Can you imagine training a pigeon to take a little note that says K? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm gonna end on this one. Um, you guys know what blowjobs are? No, the shot? Anyways, uh, getting a blowjob, right? And this girl is like gonna try something new. She goes, how's that? No, well, I like where your head's at. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much, appreciate it. And yeah, that was it. Um, that was so much fun. That was, it was a while ago. Um, but it's one of the most recent ones that I've recorded that I like really feel comfortable sharing. Um, that night I was with a coworker of mine, Andrea, who, who hopefully is on the podcast a lot in the future. You know, it's just like scheduling has been really tough lately and, and like, I get it right. Like I'm needy as hell. I'm always like, Hey, when can you record? But she'll be on the future. Um, she'll be on the podcast in the future. And that was, that was a really fun open mic, right? It was one of my favorite spots to go and perform at and it was the first time that I had ever went there but <clears throat> first time I'd ever performed there right because I had been there a couple of times and like I absolutely fell in love with the room and if you don't know exactly what what I'm talking about it's a place called the Mutiny Information Cafe and it's this beautiful little like used kind of bookstore and coffee shop mix uh, they have like pinball machines in there there's this piano chilling in the back that you can go fuck around on, and it's so much fun. Um, yeah, man, I, I went there with a friend of mine, and 
like I said, I fell in love with that place, man. It's just like a little beautiful, beautiful little room. And and the coffee, it takes forever, right? It's one of those things that it's like you'll wait nine and a half minutes, but it's the absolute best coffee that I've ever had. I mean, I just had like a white mocha, but anyways, man, I, I go there and you hear me in the beginning say, thanks for staying late, you guys. And really, that was an understatement, man. I, I probably was going up like around 1230 in the morning, man. That was like, I was dead, dude. I I The mic starts at 10, right? So I got there like at 930, hoping that I would sign up early and they would call my name first. One thing you got to understand about doing open mics, um, you know, at least when you're really just starting out is that they don't know who you are. Literally nobody knows who you are, so they're not going to go in order of the sign-up, right? They want They want the names that they know, and they're going to put those people on first. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever, right? The people that get to go on first have earned their stripes, man, and usually the ones that go on first are the people that perform the best. And, and, you know, that's like for whatever reason, right? It's like whether or not there's more people that are in the crowd because it's just started or they're just like straight up better at it, you know? And I mean, all respect to them, right? I, I tip my beanie off to them. And if I was wearing a hat, it would also be tipped. Um, but the host was super nice, man. Uh, the host was really nice. It was like a beautiful little crowd. I got to say this too, by the time you go up, especially if uh, if you're a newer guy and you're going up late or early, however you want to look at it, uh, the people you're going to be performing in front of are mostly other comedians, right? And I mean, depending on how you feel, man, this could be like a great thing or it could be a terrible thing. Um, I haven't been doing it too long, but I guess in my own experience, like, Performing in front of nothing but comedians isn't my favorite thing to do uh, because they, they're kind of looking at you and they can pick your act, act apart, man. They they know exactly what you're doing and like they see your rhythm getting set up. These are really smart people, man. And, you know, you go in as an amateur and you could see it, man. It's like the arms cross, but, you know, sometimes they won't laugh and you just know that. You know, you might talk to them after a show and, and they'll say something like, dude, I like I like this one a lot. But if you just do it like this and like I said, man, depending on who you are, uh, it, that's that's great or it's not great. You know, I got fortunate enough that that night all those comedians I was performing in front of were just nice people, man. They were all just like, yeah, dude, we get it, man. It's 1230. We're in this freaking coffee shop downtown in Broadway and. And, and I mean, I, I got lucky, man. It wasn't like I and like I said, though, not not even the best set that I've ever had. But man, it, it was still it was so cool. And I could just keep saying that over and over, Um, I guess, just to talk about the act itself a little bit. I started off by uh, telling that light rail story. Right. And that was like a real thing that had happened to me. I remember I was on my way to school one day uh, taking the light rail and. Like, I was the only person on the train. Like I said, man, I had my backpack on a bench in front of me, and then a black guy gets on the light rail. And in real life, I didn't move my backpack at all. I just kind of looked at him, and I thought, 
if I would have moved my backpack, I would have had to do it really fast, right? And that would have looked just as bad. So that was like a lose-lose situation. But, dude, every other bench on the light rail was open, and I was stressing out over nothing. And what ended up happening was, like, I just ruined my only opportunity to have a black friend. I just ruined it right in that moment, man. And whatever, man, you know, I'll redeem myself in the future, right? I'll get just either go no backpack or just put it on my lap immediately. Ah, dude. And then uh, my one of my favorite jokes to tell is the one that I tell after that, and that's about um, sitting in a coffee shop by myself, and then a woman comes up to me and asks for the chair. She asks for the chair that isn't being used. And, dude, it was just like, I I remember it, actually. And it happens all the time, dude. And it's really like they're saying that, right? Like, hey, like, you're going to be alone, right? You're here by yourself because you're an asshole and you're a loser and you're just a lonely person, so I can take the chair. That's what I hear when when they're like, hey, is it cool if I I take this extra just because I have a friend? I have a friend that's coming. Right, because my friends want to see me when I go to coffee shops, and they need a place to sit. Unlike yourself, who you just would rather like stare at a wall and be miserable. She was just asking for a chair, but I hear all these things. Right, I hear the undertones. That's one of my favorite ones to tell, man. And honestly, if like if I'm being really honest, um, it never does that well, dude. It never does that well. You can even hear it in that little clip there. Um, doesn't do well i guess i've been doing that for like eight months now and at least it's been a part of the repertoire and yeah dude it always just does okay but it's like i don't know man other comedians will tell you if you have one that you believe in that it that if you like it keep doing it i don't know how how sound that advice is um, you know, they could just be setting me up to fail. They're like, dude, that bit fucking sucks. You should trash that. But then they like turn around and tell me, they're like, dude, that was amazing. Keep it in the act. Maybe you should even make it longer, like two, three times as long, you know, whatever, man. That's one of my favorites to tell. Um, and <clears throat> dude, it's tough, man. It's tough when you have a joke that you really, really like, but you don't, you, or you can't say it. Right, I mean, I guess you always can, but something happened to me once. Um, I want to say this was like two years ago that I was doing an open mic in Longmont, <clears throat> and I might have told this story already, but whatever. Doing an open mic in Longmont, and if you've never been to Longmont, it's really just like a racist Breckenridge, right? Like a more racist Breckenridge. Um, shout out to these Colorado towns. Dude, I drove up there, man. It was like, like, you know, in that movie, in the movie Django, when Django is like when he's riding on the horse and then when he comes to town for the first time, like everybody in the town's looking at him and he's like, what, you ain't never seen somebody like me on a horse before? Right. It was kind of like that moment. Right. When I like rolled up with my brother, I'm like, what, you ain't never seen two brown people in a Honda Civic before past the year of 2006. You ain't never seen that. People were giving us looks, man. They were giving us looks all the way up into the theater. And it was a it was a pretty nice theater, man. It was old, but it, and it was a little bit creepy. But it was a nice stage. And, like, they had a lot of seats. 
man, it was there was some people out there. Um, and I was real excited, right? Like I had the day off. I was like, I'm going to make a thing of it. I'm going to go up to Longmont and I'm going to do an open mic because this place will give me 10 minutes, man. Most places only give me five. So I thought that was real cool. And I go up there and my my favorite opener at that time, I used to like to come out on stage and say, um, really quick, guys, just before we start, by a show of hands, has anybody here ever lost an arm? And then nobody would raise their hand. And the joke is, you go, oh, okay, well, I guess that's everybody. Ha ha, right? Nah, not ha ha, dude. I got zero laughs. And then I ended up bombing the entire 10 minutes. Basically, what had happened was, after I said that hand joke, I guess a woman sitting in the back who is a regular and who is beloved by the people of Longmont had a, like, had a nub. She was missing a hand for real. Something had happened to her, man. Maybe, like, you know, nobody taught her how to use a power saw or, like, it could have been a disease or something. I'm not making fun of her, but I'm just saying she didn't have a, a hand, and I didn't know that. And so when I say this this hand joke, this woman stands up in the back. I didn't see this, man. A bartender told me all this after the show, but she stands up, and she walks out, and everybody looked at her, man. It's, and she was so beloved in the city of Longmont. Um, people followed in her direction. They're like, yeah, fuck this guy, man. If he's going to make fun of your problem, then I'm not going to laugh, right? I'm going to cross my arms, my two arms that I have, and I'm just going to not laugh at anything that he says and make him feel nervous in front of his brother and his friends. That's the That's the other thing, too, man, that happened that night. I had invited a friend who had been bugging to come see an open mic for a long time. And I'm like, look, dude, I'm doing one, but it's an hour away. If you want to come, go ahead and come. And he came. And my friend showed up, dude. He drove an hour to come see me at this open mic. And I just bombed, dude. I ate my balls that night. I really did. And, you know, looking back, like, I don't have any hard feelings, right? What What that woman did was very brave, I think, to stand up and walk out because it wasn't funny or because she didn't think it was funny. I I applaud her, man. Like, give her a hand. You know what I mean? That's that's a courageous act that that woman just did. Um, Like I said, though, no hard feelings. Uh, and that's kind of it, man. You know, like when you have a joke that you really like, but something bad might happen as you're telling that joke, and then it might ruin the joke for you. Um. And, you know, I don't I really don't use that that joke a lot. I think I've told it like three or four times in an act since that moment, man, since that night. Whatever, man, maybe that's just like. Like a like a cue for me to come up with more material and to sit down and to really write some stuff. But uh, but that that chair joke, man, I, I just love that one too much. It's not even offensive at all. It's. Hardly funny, but, dude, I just love it, man. I love telling it. Um, so I guess I just keep telling that <laughs> until it dies or until I hate it, until I hate telling it. That's the other thing about stand-up, too, man, is you gotta, you're gotta you telling the same jokes over and over and over, and you have to make each time feel authentic and make it feel like it's the first time that you're telling these jokes. 
And you got to make it feel very natural, right? You don't want to go up there and sound over-rehearsed or you don't want to sound unprepared. It's a very difficult thing to get comfortable in, man. And I'm not there yet, right? No way am I there. Like, I know how to get there and I know the steps that I need to take. And, you know, it, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a little bit before I get there. I'm going to keep doing it, though. I think after that chair joke, I talk about texting and that uh, I was like, yeah, I got this girl's phone number once. And like I waited, right? I waited for like a woo or like a clap. And then somebody actually clapped like they picked up on the cue that I was waiting for, man. That's the that's a great thing about performing in front of comedians, man, It's like. They'll pick up on little cues like that. They know how to help your set out if you're looking for audience participation. And, you know, if they're good people, they'll help you out, man. So <laughs> whoever clapped or said woo, shout out to that guy um, for using both your hands and, and you know, making a sound with them. So that was awesome. But, uh, like, I, I guess I'm behind the scenes or whatever of that joke, man. Somebody actually texted me, do you know how to keep a conversation going? And just to be funny, I just replied, yeah, yeah. And that was it, man. And I just never texted that person back. And, you know, we really don't talk that much anymore <laughs> since then because he was like, man, this dude's an asshole. Dude. I was just trying to ask if he could if he could sit down and talk and have a conversation. And he wants to be all sarcastic and try to be funny. Uh, so, you know, RIP to that friendship, but worth it, man. I got a joke out of it. Um, and you know, dude, full circle. It's super cool. Um, after that, I talk about the pigeons, right? And I'm like, dude, you know, we used to have to train pigeons. Can you imagine training a pigeon to take a, a message that says K? <clears throat> I had that thought the night of the open mic in Longmont. Because I was sitting down at my my table after I had bombed, and luckily I had a great friend and my brother who's who's incredibly funny as well, and we we're all just like chatting it up, shooting the shit, and you know that that's like a joke that came out of that moment, right? Because I was just trying to cheer myself up, and that's just what we were talking about. I probably had said that yeah joke on stage, and so we were talking about it a little bit, and. Yeah, dude, that's that's where that one came from, actually. It's kind of funny that it, it's full circle. That's really cool. And um, actually, the way that I had rehearsed it a little bit or that I had practiced was to end on the note of the pigeons. But then I, I felt that it was just too soft a laugh to walk out on, right? And the dude was already like waving a light, like, it's it's your time. It's been your five minutes. And I was like, no, I got like, I need to leave on a laugh. Right, I'm thinking on stage, and I go to my quick, my my quick one-liner, you know, that I that I keep in the bank, and it was that blowjob joke. And normally, when when I do perform, I try to keep it as clean as possible, right? Like, and I know that I've sweared on this a lot, but when I perform, I do try to keep it a little bit more clean. And so, like, I stay away from jokes like that, or even topics like that, and just curse words in general. But I needed a laugh in that moment, man. I needed a laugh, and that's one of my, that's like another one of my favorite jokes that I that I thought of. And luckily, it went over, dude. I asked the crowd, like, "Do you know what blowjobs are?" And they all start shouting out, like, "When you get shot," and one dude just straight up says, "No." 
First of all, I feel sorry for that gentleman, dude. You're missing out. <laughs> I guess not even to know what it is, dude. I know he's just fucking around, but uh, yeah, man. Like like I said, dude. Sometimes performing in front of comedians is is a great thing because they know. Like I just straight up asked the audience. I I asked them to help out, and they all helped out. They made it funny, and I ended up going like, "All right, anyways." And then I just get to the punchline and, you know, that host was real nice. You know, he, he was like, all right, everybody, Dan, oh, way to end on a laugh. That's how you do it, right? Dude, I've listened to that clip more times than you'll know, right? Like, I, that's what you got to do, man. You got to record it and you just got to study it and you got to figure out how to get better or like what went well and what to repeat and what to work on, things like that. I guess another reason why I'm even doing this podcast is to just find a voice, man. It's so tough to find a voice on stage. And, dude, I remember when I first started stand-up, like, I didn't even have that thought whatsoever, dude. I, I bombed probably like six out of ten times, just like on average when I first started. Um, but my thing was just like, I just want to keep coming with new material. I I would try to do one open mic week for like, like a year right or like seven to eight months or whatever um and then every week i would come back with new material and i and i hate to sound arrogant or like that like i'm boasting or whatever but material is something i've been like harvesting or banking for a very long time i always write down thoughts that i think are funny since i'm like 16 years old so i got like i got a little storage you know of of things and so i don't necessarily struggle with material but it's how to use that material right i know that a lot of these things that i write down have some humor in them and they can be funny difficult part is like finding out how they can be funny man that's what this whole thing is about man i'm just trying to be a comedian you know i gotta do it man and if you believe in yourself like I do, you could probably do whatever you want, man. Like I believe that I can be a comedian. It's just it's gonna take a long time. It really is. I think a lot of people going into something like this will. Uh, I mean, I hate to speak generally about everybody, but I just think that people sometimes when they go into this, they expect it to happen really fast, or they expect it to happen within like a year or two, and like, all right, that's when I'll be set. I don't think so, man. Like, I've been putting a lot of thought into it, man. A lot of my favorite comedians are older, right? They're like in their 40s and their 50s, right? I'm talking like Chris Rock, who's in his 50s, Louis C.K. and Bill Burr, Jerry Seinfeld, who's in his 60s, man, almost in his 70s. Larry David is in his 70s, man. Like, I look at all my favorite people, and they're they're all older man like very few comedians really really make it when they're young you know, like bo burnham is a prodigy and a prime example of what happens when a comedian knows how to use the internet and and makes it young right he's also prolific and his his material is just it's incredibly unique and it's unmatched and it's just so thought out, dude. So methodical. Um, but like I said, man, most most of my favorite comedians are like older, and so I realize 
that's probably what it's going to be like for me. It's just a lifelong journey, man. It's going to be something that it's like golf, you know, you know, how like how when you watch golf sometimes or when you drive by a golf course, <coughs> you'll see like a kid doing it kind of fucking around and swinging the club like a baseball bat. And then a couple lanes down, you'll see just a old ass guy who's like put his walker aside and he kind of wobbles onto the driving range and you're like oh shit dude don't swing dude you're gonna throw your back out and then he swings perfectly and he hits the ball 400 yards man that's kind of what comedy is like you can do it until you die man even if you have a bad back dude before the whole bill cosby thing went down i remember watching some of his stand-up as he was very old right like near the end of his career um, and he sat down on stage like he brought a chair and he just sat down for an hour. It was sit down comedy. Even when you can't stand, you can still go up and tell jokes. So that's kind of that's kind of the idea, man. Like, I know that I'll be great at it when I'm much older. Um, but right now it's just it's a process, you know, and I got these five minute clips to to really break down and try to decipher the meaning of them and. That was that night, man. That was that was a really fun night. And um, like a little bit after that, I guess a couple days after, I went to go do another open mic at this place called the Irish Rover Bar. It's on the same street, man. It's it's like a two-minute walk from the Mutiny Cafe. I did that, and I bombed so bad, dude. That was That was one of the worst ones I think that I've ever bombed, man. The Irish Rover bomb, you know what I mean? But um, I'll go back there, dude. I haven't gone back there since. You know, sometimes you bomb real bad and, you know, going to that place kind of gives you the nerves or every time you drive by it, you know, you, you get chills or goosebumps. That's something that I'm working on too, man, you know. Getting over bombs, like I hear a lot of people talking about how, like, bombing is necessary. Dude, I get all of that, man, but... Like, when you're actually doing it, it's not a great thing. And some comedians are so good that they'll find the humor in bombing. And, you know, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, and you know what? If you guys want me to to post that clip as well, you know, that little snippet, I did record that. If you guys want to hear me bomb and, like, forget material and stumble over my words... Just let me know, right? And I guess I'm going to call this one right now. Um, I really just wanted to, you know, sit down and record this episode and kind of show you guys the format that I'm thinking of. Uh, so that that's kind of what it'll be, right? Like I'll insert these little stand-up clips that I do and and I'll talk about it. And, and you guys tell me if you think the stand-up was funny or not too, man, honestly. Um, because I think I'm fucking hilarious, dude. So my feedback hardly matters, right? I'm really asking, uh, like for your guys's opinions and help. And I'd also like, um, instead of just me kind of talking and rambling here at the end, I'd like to have a little, a little segment where I answer emails and questions from you guys, man. I made an email and literally <laughs> not a person has emailed it. That's okay. I get it, man. It's a little bit weird that, like, your friend has set up an email that he kind of wants you. Dude, I get it, man. I'd be like, fuck that guy, dude. Email yourself. Why don't you ask yourself questions? Basically, 
Like if you guys if you guys want me to talk about anything, dude, I can or at least I want to talk about anything. Right? And hopefully this turns into like some sort of hey dude, I need help with this. What should I do? And if you just want some terrible advice, dude, write into the email. It is comedianordinaire at gmail.com. I'm gonna reply to every single thing that gets sent to that inbox. I'm not kidding. Um, but dude, I, I just like, I would love it. I would really love it to just see one email in there, right? Even if it's just like a fuck you, or if it's like an emoji middle finger, that's the black one, because that one hurts extra worse for some reason. I'm not sure. Uh, then I'm all for it, man. But again, that email is uh comedian ordinaire at gmail.com. And before I go, I kind of just want to talk about how I got the name of the podcast um, so that there's no like, you know, so that there's no chatter about it. Um, I was reading a Steve Martin book a while ago called Born Standing Up and like on page 68 or something, if you got the paperback, uh, kind of towards the bottom, he talks about when he started first doing stand up and when he was entertaining people and getting a little bit of money and a little bit of traction. Um, he, he had a business card, right? And it said, Steve Martin, entertainer ordinaire. And in the book, he's like, dude, that to me was a hilarious joke, but it never seemed to get noticed as a joke. And, and you know, I, I hope that you guys don't think that I'm directly stealing it. I want to be absolutely transparent, dude. Steve Martin is just such a huge influence, man. And you know, even though I don't know all of his movies and like I've watched his stand up and I've read his book and like I've seen him in interviews, dude. I've I've studied the guy a little bit. That dude's just a huge inspiration. He has my favorite joke of all time. I'm not kidding, my favorite joke of all time. Um and this will make more sense if you're watching it on video. Sorry for the audio listeners, but basically like he comes up to the stage. He I think he first did this on SNL like in the 80s. He comes up and he's like, "Hello everybody." It's great to be here. Actually, it's great to be here, right? And he like just took one step over to the right. And dude, more than I wish that this was successful or that I was rich and never had to work again, I wish I thought of that joke. That is my favorite joke of all time. Because one of my favorite things to say is it's great to be here, and he just made it so funny. And um, yeah. That, anyways, that's it, man. Comedian ordinaire. It's uh, it's sort of paying homage, man. It is paying homage to Steve Martin, who, after I read his book, man, I was just like, I I want to do that. I absolutely want to, and I, I think I'm going to, right? Because wanting to do it and trying to do it are different things. And after I read that book, I was just like. I buckled down a little bit, and then I started taking my material more seriously. And, anyways, that's all that, man. I'm just kind of rambling at this point. Like I said, though, please email at comedianordinary@gmail.com. Any questions, man? I would love to give some terrible advice. If you want some awful advice, please email me or just like a middle finger, dude. You know, I'll give you a, a shout out, man. So, that's it for this one. Again, if you guys uh, want to hear that Irish Rover bomb set, just let me know. Uh, you know, we can make a little short episode about that. We can talk about bombing a little bit, too. Uh, so thanks. Thanks so much. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs>